audience engagement, affiliate sales, automated product funnels, and alliteration. Yes, the busy budgeter is back. What's up? What's up, Nick? Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because progress happens just beyond your comfort zone. Today, by request, we're catching up with Rosemary Groner from BusyBudgeter.com. This is her fourth appearance on the show. And if you're just joining us, let me catch up on the backstory. Rosemary is a former state trooper. She's a former home daycare operator. She made an incredible transformation in her own household's finances, reducing expenses, paying off debt. And she turned around and put some of her strategies online. And when she did that, her blog found fast success aimed at an audience she describes as chronically disorganized moms. Within her first year, she was making five grand a month, mostly from ad income. A year after that, she was up to 20 to 25 grand, mostly from affiliates and her own email list. And a year after that, she'd even touched the six figures a month mark with the big revenue jump coming from creating her own products. She's definitely a listener favorite and a host favorite as well, of course. So I encourage you to check out that whole series to get a sense of this story arc. I've linked up each episode in that series for you in the show notes for this one at sidehustlenation.com slash rosemary4. Or if you prefer to just grab them straight from your podcast player app, they are episodes 142, 199, and 268. But stick around in this episode to hear how Rosemary turned her best content into a two-year automated email sequence that earns affiliate commissions and sells her products, how she's driving traffic today and why she cut off a profitable segment of her audience. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Rosemary after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. There's so much exciting stuff to tell you about. Okay, so first of all, we built this long funnel, and I think last time we had talked, we were just talking about funneling everything, right? But what I was trying to do is actually to completely step away from the business. And to make all of our income passive so it runs without me having to update anything so that I could take months off at a time. So you didn't have to do like product launches and all this stuff. Right. I don't have to do anything. My goal was to be able to walk away, to like come in and check on it every couple of months, maybe like a four hour work week type deal. So that was my longer term goal. I had no idea if I was going to break the whole system or what was going to happen. And we built those long funnels. So it was a two year long funnel for our main audience, which was the budgeters. And at the time, I don't anymore, I had two separate sections of my business. So the larger section of the business was for budgeters. And then I had a smaller subsection, about a fifth the size of the budgeters that was for people who were learning how to blog. And I would talk to them independently or separately. And then I was trying to maintain both of those. So originally, my goal was that I was going to funnel both sides of the business and then figure out how to help people where they were. In my mind, that made sense because when we people would be coming in, so like if they're brand new to budgeting, we're not talking about all of this advanced stuff if really they just need to start at the beginning where if they're coming into this funnel, I can meet them where they are and I can bring them through the entire journey, recommending products where they are. And so we built this monster. It took about a year. Inside of ConvertKit? Inside of ConvertKit. Well, even when you start doing kind of like split decision tree automation stuff, like if this, then that, you know, send them this other email, like it gets complicated fast. It uses up more brain 
capacity than I think I'm normally using because I find myself like exhausted after even trying to do like one two week long type of sequence. Oh, yeah. So it worked. It worked amazing. And when we talked last, I had no idea if it was going to work. I knew that I was committed to building it. At the time, I was having a writer's block. I don't know if we talked about that. But my husband had built a brewery before I even started the blog. And it kind of went bust, real bust. And so I was on the hook for a lot of liability for that. And at the same time, literally the same time my husband's brewery went bust, my dad was diagnosed with advanced stage lung cancer, and he died over a period of two years. So I was having some pretty severe writing block, which is what made me interested in the funnels in the first place, because that was a way to kind of like put the business on the back burner, focus on my family, kind of get all that stuff, which thankfully this is all like old news now, get all of that stuff under control. And then at a period in the future, when I could kind of go back into the business more, I could do that. So it worked really, really well. I would recommend it to anybody. There's a lot of things that I did wrong that I wish I had not have done, but they were all fixable. Maybe we should clarify here. You're not waiting two years to try and make affiliate commission. You're not waiting two years to try and sell your own product. This is laying out the roadmap from somebody who says, who raises their hand and say, I need help with my budget and walking them like through a series of imagined products and services and helpful things along that road. Yeah, really all I was doing was automating everything that I was already doing. So at the time that I switched to the funnel, we were doing monthly product launches. We were actually doing two monthly product launches. We were doing one on the budgeting side and one on the blogging side, whether that be for an affiliate, one of our own products, or something else, freebie and opt-in. We would what we call bucket by opt-in, which if you're familiar with like the Ask Method Masterclass, I would say it's like an 80-20 version of that, meaning that I definitely don't do everything that he does, but I know what they're interested in by the opt-in that they're coming in through. So I can tailor the message a little bit to them, but I only tailor the first part because everything that we talk about, whether it's home management or budgeting or making money is really tied to my specific avatar, which is the chronically disorganized person. So I'm not really interested in, in only keeping them in a make money funnel or only keeping them in like a budgeting funnel. It's all kind of fine in the end. And so all I did was with this funnel is I took the two years or three years of newsletters that I had had stored up at that point, including all of those mini launches. And all I did was I put them into a super long funnel so that if you were brand new to my email list, you would not be reading what I'm talking about right now. You would be reading about what I talked about two years ago. And then eventually in in two years, you'd come up to, to where I am now. In my mind, this made a lot of sense and meant that I can remove any of the things that sucked and I can A-B test the things to make them better, right? Because we all know we've sent out newsletters to like crickets and they're like, oh, that was a waste of space. Yeah, sometimes they're duds and other times you get hundreds of replies. You're like, all right, I, I hit a nerve here. Exactly. So what it lets you do is it lets you customize that and make them all like really, really awesome response emails. And then on the plus side of that, you also get the ability and the opportunity to go back and A-B test all of this stuff. So let's say that you have, in one of those little mini launches, amid all of your newsletters, you have a three-day flash sale that is doing good, but it could probably do better. You can go back and A-B test your sales copy. You can A-B test your headline. You can A-B test the links and the landing page. And there's so many, so much that you can improve on that I, I kind of felt like it was the same as my my page view strategy where if you are constantly improving things, it's very hard to go backwards. You can only kind of go forwards. Yeah. Well, this makes a lot of sense because somebody who's coming to the blog today isn't going to necessarily see what you wrote 
two years ago, unless they happened upon that blog post. And we'll get into what's driving traffic in a minute. But it gives you a chance to expose your best archive content and your best archive newsletters to people wherever they come from. Yeah. And it also made it so that it super, super stabilized income. So for this year, I took off, I think it was a total of five months total throughout the year. And then the months that I did work, it was basically an average of 12 hours a week. And within that, it made it so that my income didn't change regardless of whether I was working or not working or anything like that. And when you have that super stabilized income, it makes it feel a little bit more like a real job. Do you know what I mean? Like you can, you know what expenses you have, you know that your income's fairly stabilized. If for some reason you would like extra money or if there's some reason that you would like to have an influx of extra money, you can plan something additional like a live launch, like a affiliate launch that you hadn't planned on and do something live, but you don't have to because everything is stabilized. So we've been running that for It took us about a year to build, but keep in mind while it was building, it was already kind of running. So I want to say it's been up for about a year and a half to two years now. And then we actually ended up not going with the blogging audience as much. So we basically took a year to decide about that because one of the problems with where I was in my business at the time was that I was trying to manage these two separate businesses within one business and it didn't always really make a ton of sense. So I kind of made the calculated decision to focus on one or the other. And when I was looking at the two, I realized that, I mean, I have a lot to offer uniquely to the to the blogging audience, but there's a lot of people talking to the blogging audience in everything that I have to talk about. It's completely unique to the budgeting audience. And in addition to that, it doesn't need to be updated as frequently. The cost per click is a lot lower for ads or anything else. And it's some place, it's an area that I've had really, really unique wins in and that I've had really unique wins in teaching other people how to do something. So we kind of went all in on the budgeting crowd. And that was, that was kind of awesome because at the time everybody was like, the only way to make money blogging is talking about blogging. And I had the super successful part of, I mean, even though it was a fifth the size of my budgeting audience, I made equal income from the blogging side of my business and the budgeting side of my business. So to be basically be like, I don't really need that other half of my income. Yeah. So that's an expensive decision to cut it off. Right. And again, I had no idea that I was going to be right. I mean, I knew obviously that my income wasn't going to go like way, way down because I still had that other half there as kind of like a safety net. But for me, it was the right decision because it meant that I could, my long-term goal is to be able to help as many people as possible who have these unique problems that I can help them fix, but also that I I want to have a life. Like I don't want to be one of those business owners or bloggers that work 70 hour weeks or even 50 or even 40 hour weeks, but that missed all of the other cool stuff of life. Like I want to make all the soccer games and I want to, you know, bake all the bread and do all of the stay at home mom stuff. But I just happen to love doing this too. And I'm really lucky that I think we're on your, going on your six now and it's worked out really well so far. Yeah, no kidding. Are you comfortable sharing where you're at income-wise from the business today? So it's really good. Um, when we stopped talking to the blogger audience, we stopped sharing our income reports. One of the big factors was that we moved to a small town, which was a big difference. <laughs> From living in, because we used to live in Northern Virginia, which like you're in the DC metro area. 
I mean, you just don't even think about that stuff. And then moving to a small town when it's just like a Google search away, it was a pretty drastic life-changing difference. Yeah, we'd be like, wait a minute, who did I just run into? Yeah, but I can say that we were able to make up the any income loss from the blogging audience. So when we ditched the bloggers, we ditched the... And I, that's such a weird way to say it. Sorry for any of the bloggers. Just ditched, kicked up to the curb. <laughs> we ditched them, we dumped them, we went a different way. Now, when we stopped talking to the blogging audience and we doubled down on the budgeters, I was not positive how long it was going to take to recoup that income. And we were able to recoup it in about four to five months. We were running similar numbers. But I will say is that at the end of that year, we had done... So basically, I think anybody that's trying to make one of these decisions in their business where they know it probably is a good decision, but they're a little bit nervous about making it. One of the best things that I do is I set time limits on things where I'm like, okay, so it's not a forever decision. It's a decision until this point in time. And in this point in time, you can look back and you can make another decision. So I set a goal of one year. I'm not going to talk to bloggers. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to take a bunch of speaking engagements because that was the other thing is with the blogging audience, you really have to prove your authority. And the easiest way to prove your authority is to go take all these speaking gigs. So I was traveling all the time and I was... It, it just didn't line up with what my goals were for my life. And so I set the goal to not do that for one year. And at the end of the year, it was an easy decision to stick with the budgeters. That's a good way to frame it. Like, look, it's not a forever decision. And it goes along the lines like, look, choosing what's next doesn't mean choosing what's forever. People are still going to be there. People are still going to be interested in this stuff. A year from now, you can always kind of turn it back on or pursue that down the road. It's not necessarily a never. It's just a not right now. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But let's dive into what is driving traffic for you today because obviously you need it's one thing to build out this long funnel and if you're just starting out i absolutely would not probably recommend you uh, start there because you got to have eyeballs first you got to have people visiting your your site first so what's filling the funnel these days so pinterest is still a huge win pinterest has definitely changed drastically since it happened we do a similar system that we did before but we do it using tailwind but they have a like a looping feature on Tailwind or Smart Loop or something. And we set it up in a similar way. But the main goal for me for traffic, particularly in Pinterest, is the strategies might change. But the important part is that you're constantly improving. So you're taking old images that are underperforming and you're replacing them with newer images. You're taking old posts that are underperforming and you're going to stop promoting them and only promoting the better traffic. And so I'm a firm believer that if you're continuously improving things that are performing sub-average, then you're always going to be improving. And Tailwind will give you the data on, okay, this got so many clicks, repins. Are those the metrics you're looking at? You could. I would prefer clicks. Like I would be more interested in clicks and repins because one of the things that we have is we have super, super popular 15-minute recipes. Like so simple, like you don't need a brain. You just can look at the picture and know how to click it. So they're hugely popular, but the problem is that nobody needs to actually click it because it's pretty obvious how to make it. So like, that's a perfect example of something you get to reap in like crazy, but clicks may not be as much. And so you don't ever want to set up your whole system so that you get lots of pinned views, but no actual page views. Okay. What types of pins are doing well for clicks? So for clicks, honestly, it's the same as it was a couple of years ago. Less clickbaity, because I think we went through a period of time there where clickbait was like super popular. I think like penny hoarder days. And then now it's more about like a small individual problem and less about roundup. So like if you can solve a problem or if somebody sees the pin and they're like, oh, that makes sense. Or complete guides. Complete guides are doing really well too, where if somebody has a topic that they're trying to figure out and you can offer a complete resource, not just to sell an affiliate product, but like everything you need to know about this topic, those are doing really well too. And then always, if you have like clear wins, like affiliate products in your life, or even just non-affiliate products in your life, great secret for traffic is not just selling the same affiliate things that everybody else is selling. If you're trying to get traffic, don't sell anything. Pick a product in your life that you like cannot shut up about. And even if you make zero money at all, write entire posts dedicated to why that product is going to change somebody's life. And it will likely do really well and get you a ton of page views. And then since it's obvious that it's not an affiliate thing, if people get it and they love it, that builds up that trust and relatability. All right. That's the Pinterest side of things. Getting any Google love these days? Any other traffic sources? So Google is about half of Pinterest right now. It might even be a little bit more. I think it was a little bit more. We got slapped a little bit, not much in the last update. And I think we're back up now. And then also we don't focus on Instagram. We don't focus on Facebook. We don't focus on anything except for Pinterest and Google. And at some point, I think we would like to add in another source of traffic there, but I'm not sure what it would be. Instagram is kind of on my radar, but not really at the point where I I care yet. And then Facebook ads, of course, 
Facebook ads don't drive traffic in the sense of to post, but Facebook ads drive our email list. So I guess it's kind of the same thing. Okay. Back to Google for a second. You're targeting an avatar that you call chronically disorganized. What kind of stuff are they typing in to find you? That's been a big problem (laughs) because people who are chronically disorganized don't type in, am I chronically disorganized into Google, right? So what we've figured out works with Google. And I think that this is, and you may know more than I, I don't know if it was unique to me because I already had so much traffic from Pinterest. I had some like quote unquote Google juice already, but we were able to rank for larger terms that our audience would fall into. So let's say something like meal planning. I might be able to rank for meal planning, but not everybody who searches for meal planning is going to be chronically disorganized. However, I would say at least 50%, maybe 40% of those people are my hot mess people. So we'll write the ultimate source on meal planning for everybody. And then we'll talk a lot about identifying out our avatar and then saying like, hey, if if you're to the point where you've been trying and trying and nothing ever sticks, we should try this instead. So kind of like serving everyone, but then really identifying who we can help in that and then bringing them over to us. Okay. And that leads to some sort of League magnet or how do you get them? Yeah, we bucket by opt-in, which means we just talked about that. But yeah, so like one of my favorite posts is we have this cheap and easy Aldi meal plan. I don't know if you have an Aldi near you. It's like dirt cheap prices and they deliver on Instacart now. So it's like two weeks of Aldi meals for less than $150 delivered to your door. You don't even have to go to the store. And we've got like a whole guide and it's got all the recipes and everything in it. And they're barely recipes. They're all like 15 minute meals. So the people that read that post, there is no way in the world that someone who is not a hot mess would be like, oh, I want that. Like the only people who are doing that are my people (laughs) because that is like 15 minute meals is a lot of convenience foods. So somebody that was into kale smoothies and CrossFit is not touching that. And then the whole delivered to your house, they're willing to pay the extra money for the convenience because they're so overwhelmed. So we're kind of like, We're making those opt-ins only attractive to our people because the last thing that I want is to spend all of my time collecting a bunch of people on my email list who are not my people. Okay, so the Aldi meal plan is an example of one of these opt-ins. So if somebody lands on the meal planning blog post from Google, they self-identify as like, yes, you were speaking my language. I want in on some of this. They can get their email or they can punch in their email and get this 15-minute recipe two-week meal plan. Correct. Yep. Well, any other lead magnets before we go into what happens after somebody opts in? Oh, yeah, we've got lots of them. So we've got the 90-Day Budget Bootcamp, which is amazing. It's been running since almost the beginning. And what we do is we make someone who has never stuck to a budget before ever basically have a budget up and running and have some wins happening. So that what we've realized is that you have to build in wins to any program, whether it's free or paid, because at least in my audience, if they don't have an immediate like, oh my gosh, it worked, like they're not going to have the motivation to keep going because they're not going to have trust in you that at the end of the day, this is going to be worth the time they invest in it. And so we've got the 90 day budget bootcamp, which is amazing. We've got the Aldi meal plan. We've got a Christmas planner. There's a bunch of other stuff. The big ones are definitely though, oh, home rescue. I totally forgot about home rescue and the Wirehouse's trash webinar series, which is amazing. So we started doing webinars this year. And that's again, right? So like somebody like you would laugh to be like, people need training on how not to trash their house. But no, they really do. Yeah, I don't, that's why we're not doing video right now. You don't want to look around. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll see them. Maybe I should have you in. 
But the Wirehouse's Trash webinar really identifies the people who are just living in total and complete chaos. And then it offers them a free online training. We bring them in, we take an hour, and then I teach them the foundation of home management, and which is kind of cool because it's actually an entire section of our paid course. So like if somebody can't afford the paid course, then we, we straight up tell them, we're like, hey, if you know you're not going to buy the course, just do this anyway, because I'm going to give it to you for free. So like you might as well. And then we teach them foundation right there. And again, we build in wins. So that the second they put the stuff into place, it's an immediate win. They can see an immediate difference. Their spouses comment on it, things like that. And then that helps the buy-in because you can give me $97 for a product, but unless you actually believe that that product's going to change your life, you're not going to prioritize it in your mind to actually complete it. So nobody wins here. So we really try to do everything that we do needs to be getting the person to understand and believe wholeheartedly that if they can commit to this and do what they say they're going to do for a short amount of time, I'll handle everything else and we'll make it happen. Yeah, building in those quick wins, no matter what the, I mean, even if it's a blog post, but building those in to the lead magnets for sure. Yeah. Okay, so 90-day budget boot camp is kind of the the flagship. There's the meal planning thing. There's the home rescue thing. And after that, I'm in your two-year sales funnel and you're recommending all the all the things that are going to save my life? Yeah. So after that, you go into what we call an onboarding sequence, which is where I give you a bunch of free stuff. Because again, we really want to, anybody that's coming to us for help has already tried 15 million other things. Do you know what I mean? I'm the next, I'm the next in the long line of things that they think are going to change their life. So I need to somehow break them out of that. And I need to immediately identify that like this time is going to be different. And here's why. So we do an in-doc series where I basically prove my authority. I explain to them why I know that I can help them. I talk about my background. I'm super honest and relatable about my trash cows and how much John and I used to fight and all of the things that most people would never tell people. And we just lay it all out there because I want them to understand that I don't care how bad off they are. I was probably worse. Like I was like one step away from hoarders. Are you still doing on the lead magnet thank you page, like a limited time upsell or tripwire type of offer? Yeah. Yeah, we do. At one point, that was like a huge revenue driver. And it still is. They're still profitable in tripwires, but I don't track it that way anymore. So I wouldn't be able to tell you like for every dollar we spend on this, I make this much money in tripwires because we have bigger products now. So we mostly focus on the bigger products. And then tracking ads is a whole other bag of worms. I mean, you think funnels are difficult. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. So I don't want to like tell anybody not to do it. It's just I've spent three years trying to get an easier way to track the ROI, but none of the things work together. So we use Shopify, we use Sendowl, we use Stripe, we use Teachable, everything, ConvertKit, like we've got Zapier, we've got like all of these things in the back end. Oh, and then lead pages have their own thing. So like trying to get all of the data to work exactly like you wanted to is a nightmare. What percentage of the traffic is from Facebook ads today versus the Pinterest and Google stuff? So we don't track traffic like that because the only thing that Facebook ads drive are just my email list. So if you're talking about like what percentage of my email signups are coming in from Facebook ads, I would say 30% right now, but right now we're not in a super big, like I don't always push ads because the other thing about ads is you have to, you have to be on top of them all the time. You have to be checking them for 
for comments and, you know, somebody who's like, you're a terrible person and I hate you, <laughs> like all of those things. And so it's totally worth it. But there's tends to be periods of times where we drive revenue versus ads and then we kind of like go into a maintenance. And with the funnels, we've been able to do that. And that being said, so they're not running all day, every day. No, we probably have ads most days, but we're not putting thousands of dollars into an ad like all the time. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes we might be adding, maybe running a $20 a day ad or something like that. But then there are periods of times where we definitely drive a lot more than that. Do you have an estimate of what an email subscriber costs you these days through Facebook? Yes. My lowest one right now is, well, it's 43 cents per opt-in, but I'm making four ninety nine for that same opt-in on the product purchase. So, and that's, that's within one individual funnel. So I've gotten them in the past as low as 16 cents per opt-in, but that's not any purchasing. So like, that's just an opt-in. And so you're paying 43 cents and obviously good case scenario, best case scenario. And then that person immediately buys a $5 thing. Yeah. So in that particular funnel, because now I have closed onboarding funnels through Facebook ads that go, that then dump into the longer funnels, which we had to separate because there's no way to track the longer funnels. And so when you do that, you're able to basically say, okay, so for how many people went through here and how many purchases I've made for the amount of people that came through here, I make $4.89 per every registration or opt-in. And then you can take that same one and say, I get 43, 46, 52 cents per opt-in. And then I am making back 49 just from that closed funnel. That's one product and one opt-in. Then they're going to jump into the busy budgeter funnel and then they're going to make additional revenue through that funnel. But I have no way to track that, what products that they're going to purchase over their life. And if you know of a way to do that, you should totally hit me up after and we should talk. Well, thank you. If I could trade 43 cents for five bucks, I would do that all day, every day. And so that's part of the thing is, so scalability is sometimes an issue. And we've actually tried. So I manage all the Facebook ads right now. And I can tell you right now that one of my problems is that there's an internal external motivation factor, right? So all of my needs are being met. We make more income than I ever planned to make in any job. And so I don't really want to have to check ads every day. And I don't really want to make sure that if I'm spending a thousand dollars a day, like I go in there and it's, you know, I haven't just wasted all that money, something broke and whatnot. And we've had that happen before where we were pumping a ton of money into it. And then I go off and do something else. Don't check it for 10 days and come back. And I'm like, Oh oh God, what happened? Yeah. Something broke or that. Yeah. Totally done that. Or just something happens like Facebook flags it. We've had our account suspended twice now. We've gotten it back both times, but and those are for, for stupid things. Like it's not anything you did wrong. It's just, it just happens. Most people that I know that are running a lot of money into ads have had it suspended at one time or the other. Gotcha. So I've opted in. I've got my 90 day budget boot camp freebie. I said, yes, that sounds awesome for me on the thank you page. I have the option to buy the workbook for a limited time, special thing. And then afterwards, I'm now I'm staring down a two year road of everything that I need to kind of get my house in order. I imagine you have, I mean, you have people falling off and open rates and everything. Like somebody makes it to the two year end. I mean, do they get like a prize at the end? Like how do they, they, they probably don't even realize they're in this thing. No, they get more emails. <laughs> they just get more emails. And we're getting to the point now where we have to add to the end of this all the time. So like it, whatever it was before is now a lot longer. One of the things that we're doing, and I think we just talked about this a little bit, is that we're making mini funnels to dump into the larger funnels. So what we would call like 
closed funnel so that I can track that exact like how much I'm spending per opt-in, how much am I immediately making back because there isn't a way to track it in the longer funnel. And then once they get into that system, so consider the longer funnel as a way to continuously nurture your audience, but also everything in that funnel is just gravy. So you're immediately making your money back or you're making your initial income per each subscriber because you're getting a lot of organic subscribers too, just from Google and Pinterest. And then anything in the funnel is all just bonus, extra money. What, maybe what's the first product or affiliate that somebody encounters as they start to go down this thing? So that changes now. Now it's a little bit more complicated because we have those mini funnels. But in the past, like let's talk about the bootcamp thing. So somebody signed up for the 90 day budget bootcamp, then they got the workbook offer. If they did not take the workbook offer, they immediately within a couple of days, we give them a bunch of free stuff. We built our authority, we built our social proof. And then we offer that same workbook again for a slightly higher price, maybe like $12 instead of seven, $15 instead of nine, something like that. And then that would be their first official launch sequence. And then after that, they would go into, we're A-B testing that now where we bring up the larger product earlier, where in the past we've taken the $97 product and we pushed it further down the line. And now we just bring it up fairly quickly. And then we also organically write in, I can't really say that I organically wrote in. I just happened to be talking about it when I used to send out emails. So there's a lot of like soft mentions, like soft sells where I'm not even trying to sell anything, but I'm just like, like Freezeasy is a perfect example. We use Freezeasy a lot to kind of like, you can make probably about 10 meals an hour and then you can stock the fridge or you can stock the freezer. So if you need like a couple of like brainless meals. And so I'll talk about that a lot as a way of like having an easy backup meal that you don't have to think about. But because I talk about this stuff so organically and this brings up the core affiliate strategy too, it's kind of the same thing. Because I'm limiting the number of things that I'm talking about, I'm talking about those things organically frequently. The touch points that people are getting as they go through this funnel is a lot. And if anybody, I mean, all those people that are asking to hear about me again have probably heard about Elite Blog Academy because when I had a blogging audience, that was the easiest organic affiliate for me because I was such a fan of VBA. Like, I mean, that's the whole reason I have a business. That's the whole reason I built this business is that it brought me through everything step by step. So the average reader on my blogger list probably had like a hundred touch points of VBA before it launched. So when you have those organic touch points, it makes it so much easier to sell something. I mean, one, you should never sell anything that you don't believe in anyway, but it just makes it really easy to make that purchase go through because they've just heard of you talk about it so frequently. So it's kind of the same thing. We only have like nine products or something, but then we're selling so many affiliates and then a lot of them are tripwires and things like that. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. 
If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Can you give me a sense of the breakdown revenue-wise between your own products and the affiliate stuff? Yeah, this is actually interesting. So in the same time that I made the decision to not focus on the bloggers, I also made the decision to try to get to 95% of my own income. I mean, obviously I started from 0% for my own products, but I want to say about the time that I was talking to you, I was maybe 70% affiliate and 40% products, but don't quote me on that. So right now we're a about 65 to 75% of my own products, 25% of affiliate products. My ultimate goal is to just like what we talked about. I want to be able to go down from the 12 hours a week that I work and, and hover somewhere around the four to five or to be able to just kind of check in and kind of be able to do what I want. And that might change in the future just as my kids get older and things change, but it's been working for, I'm going on six years right now. And I don't want to mess with it since it's working. But when we do that, basically, like if we can get to that 95%, then that means that I don't have to worry about an affiliate dropping us or an affiliate because a lot of the larger affiliates that I love, but they have their own list of things that they want you to do. Like if they do flash sales, they want you to do flash sales. They don't necessarily want to set up their own funnels. They might launch on specific days of the year. And then if you want to, if you want to basically make money from the affiliate, you're going to have to like actually show up on the days that they're launching and they're, you're going to have to put out a launch sequence. So obviously I'm not trying to say that I'm a pop dad or anything like that, but those don't necessarily fall into my longer term goals. Yeah. It doesn't align. So you mentioned a couple of times this $97 product, that's kind of the end goal or one of the goal points of the funnel. Yeah, that's our only larger price product. So that's Hamas to Home Success. And basically what it teaches is, so I am chronically disorganized. I was a total hot mess my whole life. I am likely ADHD, just undiagnosed. But what I was able to be so successful at was we reduced our spending by about $23,000 a year. I made up my income from home. And that was not in the blog. That was when I was running a home daycare. We paid off all of our debt and... What we figured out was that the secret to sticking to a budget and to setting a budget and sticking to the budget was not actually money. It was basic home organization. And that if your, your home routine supported your ability to save money, you would win at this. It was so easy to budget once we got this basic home management stuff under control. But it was hard to learn how to get the stuff to stick. And so one of the things that we do is we teach people how to work with their unique personalities, like it can't be based on willpower. If you're basing a new program or a system or a routine on willpower, for my audience, you're going to fail 100% of the time because 
in the moment, in those hard moments, we just don't have willpower. So we teach people how to get the results that they want working with the personality that they have, only doing the things that matter. So we 80-20 everything. Nobody is like cleaning the top of their fridge. Washing windows is not a thing. We only do the things that are going to have a direct effect on their everyday life. And then we incentivize everything. So their budgeting is incentivized by what we call blow money. We need another term for that. But they get money to just go blow in whatever they want. So again, we're building in immediate wins so that when they're trying this, they're getting immediate successes, which makes them continue on and have more wins. And then once that happens, kind of your testimonials just sells everything for you. Because once people that say things like, I've tried everything and I've tried for 12 years to change this and this $97 program changed it, like then you don't really even have to try as hard. It kind of sells itself. So that's Hot Mess to Home Success. And we teach people it actually was meant to be a budgeting program. But when we put it out to beta testers, what we kept hearing was, oh, yeah, the budgeting is great. But oh, my gosh, my house is amazing. And like my in-laws was so impressed. And like my husband keeps complimenting me. And these are people that struggled with budgeting, but they've also been struggling with just basic organization for their whole lives. So we decided to kind of repackage it. It's honestly the same content. It's still, it still teaches you how to budget. It still gives you the budgeting wins, but for sure the home management wins are a, are a much faster result. So we kind of repackaged it and brought it to an angle that people were most excited about. Yeah. Is that a video course? Is that a workbook type of thing? It is. It's a video course. We do it on Teachable. It took me, God, it took me almost a whole year to build. I'd had, I mean, we'd been talking about this stuff forever. This is the whole purpose of my blog. It's the content that I was giving out never changed, but we had to completely repackage everything. We had to get everything step by step. We had to, again, build in all of those wins because if you get people into the course, but they don't have those immediate wins, they're not going to finish it. What you've got me thinking about and this is kind of on the to-do list for this year anyways, just rethinking the onboarding sequences and funnels that I have. is Almost nothing lasts longer than a week, and then it's just out into their normal kind of newsletter sequence, and there's no exposure to anything from the archives. There's no real concerted effort to pitch different affiliates or products of my own. So I'm seeing huge areas of opportunity based on this stuff. Yeah. Can I tell you the number one thing that I wish I had done? Because I feel like if somebody listens to this and they're going to attempt this, I could save them so much, so much time and effort. Document it. There's something called, oh, I think it's like Zoom Notes. I'm going to make sure you have the right app, but it's like a iPad app. If you do something, map the entire funnel, not in ConvertKit or whatever your email provider is, something independent of all the apps. And you need to write down every single step of your funnel, including tags, including direct links to like, you can't link in there, but you can write down what the link is to each of the landing pages, to all the tags you've got going to the rules you've got set up for automation and convert kit. So like documenting every single thing, because one of the best things about this funnel is that you can A-B test and you can go back and make it better. Right. But one of the problems with the A-B testing is that there's so many things that are working in the background and you have no idea what you set up two years ago that you, right. It's like you, we call it Jack the funnel. You Jack the funnel when you go back and try to change things. It is such a nightmare. So we had to rebuild everything from scratch doing it that way. And I just feel like if somebody had taken five minutes with me before I started this and be like, 
could you just invest in this iPad app? Or I'm sure there's like something online, like Mapmeister or something that can do it online. But don't don't trust a piece of paper. Don't trust like a whiteboard or any of that crap. You want something that will always be available for you to grow. And it has to be endless because once you start dealing with funnels, you're going to get more and more. And what used to be like one piece of paper is now like an entire like Sims universe. Are you still sending out regular newsletters or is it just like the funnel or the sequences, the sequence? And that's how they're going to hear from me. Like I'm not going to send them an email with the latest blog post or anything like that. Yeah, we just started doing that again a couple weeks ago, maybe months ago, probably months ago. We didn't do that for about a year and a half. Like I said, I took a lot of time off, so I didn't really need to. And I don't necessarily need to now, but what we're trying to do is we're, we have to add to the funnel, to the, to the back end of the funnel. So we kind of have to add the other stuff. And then we figured we'd lengthen it and then do the same thing that we did two years ago, where we're going to remove the content that's underperforming, add in new content, update the old stuff. Because a lot of one of the things that we realized was that two years ago when we built it, there were some affiliates we mentioned that changed their offerings. And now there's like something that's better for them than what we originally had. Freezies is a perfect example. They have a drag and drop builder now so that you can just like choose your favorite. It's not like a menu plan where you're stuck with whatever meals she picks out for you. You can now just choose any of the meals from her database. But when we wrote about that originally, it was like she gives you 10 meals and that's what you're making. So like that kind of stuff needs to get updated. But yeah, we are writing newsletters again now, but you don't have to. That's why we did the two-year funnel so that we wouldn't have to. And that eases up from having to create new content every week. Oh, 100%. In 2018, the only thing that I did, I did no money-making activities for the blog at all. Our income was amazing and super consistent. The only thing that I did was build Hamas to Home Success. And I still worked probably 12 to 15 hours a week. But when I did work, I just worked on that stuff. And it wasn't like it wasn't like sitting down at a desk or anything. It was just kind of like, you know, I'd work on it when I had a few minutes of time. And that was the only thing that we did. So not having to do anything else and to still have high consistent income gives you time to build the larger products and, and do the things that you don't usually have the chance or the opportunity to do. And the way that we had built it and set it up was we were able to do that without a large staff. Like we didn't need a ton of people because everything was funneled. What kind of open rates are you seeing at the end of this two-year sequence? <laughs> Somebody's a year and a half. Is anybody still paying attention? At the end of it? Oh God, I would have, I don't even check. I don't even know. It's probably pretty low. I would say 20% or lower. But I haven't really looked at it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, shoot, that's still pretty good. Most of my focus on A-B testing and stuff and the email list is going to be in the beginning of it. So like in, in the front of it, because in my mind, again, everything's gravy after a certain point. So if you can focus, it's like 80-20 again, right? If you focus on the most important parts of it and then just kind of let the rest of it go, then you're capturing the majority of what you need. And then everything else is just extra. Aside from the Facebook ads, what's taking up your time these days? Babies. <laughs> They're not even babies anymore. She's like five as my youngest. So most of what we're doing now is we're building on additional products. We're updating all of our current products and we are still, we call it unjacking the funnel. So we're, we're section by section, taking everything and documenting it, making sure that everything's right. We are starting to delete cold subscribers, which I've always been absolutely adamant against doing it. But we've A-B tested it lately and we, we are actually seeing higher open rates and things like that when we do 
So basically we released Hot Mess to the full email list, I think January 2019. And then we released it to only warm subscribers, or I guess not cold subscribers. And the difference was like negligible. It wasn't that shocking at all. So we're having more of a beefier, like cold subscriber re-engagement sequence. And then we're having people kind of hop back into the warm audience, but then we're going to start deleting cold subscribers, which we've never done before. We were always really adamantly against that. And I really want to focus on my own products because again, that works in with my goal to not have to kind of answer to anybody, if that makes sense. I really... I didn't realize how much of a lone wolf I was, but I really like not having to do meetings, not having to meet anybody else's expectations, but my own. And then we are debating having an affiliate program for our own products. We have not done that so far. We we do have affiliate products for smaller things, but never like a, a large launched out launch style affiliate program, because we've always been a little hesitant about meeting other people's expectations. Meaning if I tell Nick Loper, hey, do you want to be an affiliate for this? You can make 40% commission. I want to make sure that I'm working really hard for you to make sure that that the click-through rates are really good, that the purchase conversions on the lead pages are exceptional, that the cookies are all tracking. And I'm a little bit nervous with the amount of hours that we work on my ability to deliver on that. So I'm not going to roll that out until I know for sure that we've got a structure in place and that we're going to make any affiliates that come in super happy with kind of what they're making and what they're doing. Okay, interesting. So that would be another potential traffic source for you to say you can now be an affiliate for the Hot Mess program or just, hey, put people in at the top of the funnel. We'll track them through whatever affiliate system, send somebody the 90-day budget boot camp. If they eventually buy something, we could get you a commission on that. Correct. Total. And the only hesitation with that is like the other things I've talked about. And also just the fact that like everything else was so hard. Like, Yeah, I'm sure there's a way to do it. But yeah, that'd be cool. And there is. We've talked to people. But basically what it comes down to is our income is really good and it's not something that we necessarily need to do. So people that have reached out and said, hey, like, I love this program. Like, I have to sell this program. I have my own blog. We've done like set them up individually, but we haven't rolled out like a large affiliate program where we're really actively seeking affiliates. Well, fascinating stuff. As always, I took a ton of notes during this call. Busybudgeter.com. Check her out. Check out the shop. Jump yourself onto the email list to join the marathon funnel and see what that is all about. <laughs> you get to talk to me for years. Yes, especially if you, well, you get an example of your copyright. Your emails are longer than almost any other email that I get, but you find yourself reading to the bottom because it's personal stories and it's, it's captivating. So I think it's, I don't know. I think copywriting is definitely a a skill of yours. Relating to your audience is definitely a a skill of yours. You ready for the wrap up here with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation 2020 edition? All right. So my number one tip for Side Hustle Nation is to, I guess, not settle. Like if you want to work four hours a week or 10 hours a week or 15 hours a week, don't buy into the whole busy is better. You can absolutely build a passive income business. You can build the business. That's exactly what you want it to be for where you're at. And if in a couple of years you change your mind, you want to work more, you can. But I think that A lot of my success was driven from the fact that I never knew if it was going to work, but I tried it anyway, and I've been able to make it work for six years now with showing no sense of stopping. So don't buy into the whole like work harder and make more money. Like I don't, I don't think that's a thing. Well, I love it. It's a very impressive what you've built in the limited time that you've had to work on it. 
really an inspiration for everybody. So, Rosemary, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. And we'll catch up with you soon. All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Rosemary. Honestly, hard to narrow down to just three, but I'll give it a shot. Number one was to give your audience quick wins. This was something that came up several times in the call and I think is critically important in breaking through the clutter today. If you want someone to pay attention to you, to spend their hard-earned money with you, and maybe to ultimately spread the word about your work, it becomes a whole lot easier if you're giving them some immediate, tangible wins. I know this is something that we've talked about before, but it was a point that really stood out to me in this conversation. Rosemary said the content of her course really wasn't anything different than what she'd been writing about for years, but it still took a year to create because she was figuring out the best way to structure the material, beta test it, front load the wins to keep the motivation up for her students. That definitely got me thinking about the structure of my course and my email sequences and my lead magnets. There are certainly tons of wins in there, but I'm confident they could be quicker, more upfront, and maybe more clearly presented. So that was takeaway number one for me. Give your audience the quick wins. Takeaway number two is conversation first, automation second. I think we all dream of this amazing, automated, audience-serving, money-minting machine, but that's probably not where we need to start. If you're in the early days of your audience business, one thing I think you can do is take note of your content that seems to really resonate, whether that be blog content, email content, podcast or video content, and begin to bake that into your email onboarding sequence so new subscribers have exposure to it. And I actually did that in the early days of Side Hustle Nation, but have gotten away from it. So it's a way to consistently keep in touch with your people with material you know is a hit. And like Rosemary said, if you're constantly improving, it's hard to go backwards. So I've definitely got some homework on the automation front because there's some great stuff that right now new subscribers might never see, and that's doing them a disservice. Takeaway number three is to make the business fit your lifestyle, not the other way around. I heard some echoes of Paul Jarvis in this episode questioning growth for the sake of growth. Like once you have enough, will more necessarily make you any happier? I admire Rosemary's big picture vision here and her commitment to keeping her business a part-time operation. It forces you to focus your time and energy on the most impactful projects. That's something we talked about in her last appearance in episode 268. You probably started your side hustle to have a better quality of life. At least I did. So if you're stressed out running it and always chasing the next goal, the next milestone, you've just worked yourself into a trap. So with each move, you can ask yourself, does this get me closer to the lifestyle I want? That was takeaway number three for me. I definitely learn a ton from Rosemary every time we chat. Hopefully you enjoyed this catch-up call with her as well. Once again, notes for this episode, links to all the resources mentioned, and the full text summary with all of our top tips from the call are over at sidehustlenation.com slash rosemary4. And that's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show where you'll meet the guy who started a six-figure virtual call center from his living room. I'll see you then. Hustle on.